Are you a healthy person? Are you a healthy person? As I was thinking about health this week, I was thinking about physical health and financial health and the health of my car and just different kinds of health. And and health is not primarily knowing what you're supposed to be doing, right? Lots and lots of people know how to be healthy. They just aren't healthy. And and, uh, health is not primarily looking like you're healthy, right? Pretending to be healthy. See, you, you can tell me what you need to do to exercise and stretch and eat the right kinds of foods, and you can wear the right kinds of shoes and clothes that would indicate that you are a healthy kind of person, and yet um, not at all be a healthy person. And that's sort of what we're talking about this morning in Romans chapter 2. We're going to finish Romans chapter 2 this week, uh, and we're going to start in verse 17. So if you would uh, turn with me to Romans 2, verse 17, where it says this, But if you call yourself a Jew, and rely on the law, and boast in God, and know His will, and approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law, And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. As we look at this, he's writing, right? Paul is writing to this church that has this mixture of Jews and Gentiles, Greek people and and people of Hebrew descent, that uh, some of them are very proud of their traditions and their history and where they come from and that they are Abraham's descendants. You remember God's special relationship with Abraham where of, of all the people that were on the earth, God called Abraham and said, Abraham, come. You will become my people. You will have many descendants and they will be my people and they will have my presence in my place which, with which I will bless them. And now that has been passed down from generation to generation. Uh, You are a descendant of Abraham. You are a descendant of Abraham. 
Of all the people on the earth, you are special because you are a descendant of Abraham. And this is how we know that we are descendants of Abraham. We have the law. We have circumcision. We live in this group. We do these kinds of things. You are a descendant of Abraham. And now Paul is writing to them and saying, but Christ... You are a descendant of Abraham, yes, and that's great. You have this wonderful relationship with God because of that. But Christ, Christ is the way. It it isn't through the circumcision, it isn't through the law, it isn't through those kinds of things that you become one of God's people and, and are right with Him. It is through Christ. All of the Old Testament is pointing forward and saying Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. He's the one who would come and save his people. And so he's writing to them and he said, but you, you, you who call yourselves God's people and rely on the scriptures and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed to the law, from the law. You who are so confident That you are God's people. Why are you confident that you're God's people? Well, I go to church. I go to church every Sunday. And Bible study. And I read. I read the Bible. I read devotional books. I read commentaries. I've read all of C.S. Lewis. (laughs) I read. And I spend time, and I I know all of this stuff. I don't just do the cursory Bible studies, but I do the in-depth Bible studies. The really good ones. The significant, deep, deep ones. That's how I know. And he's writing to this very kind of person, and he's saying, watch yourself. Watch yourself. You who rely on the law and boast in God and know His will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind and a light to those who are in darkness and an instructor of the foolish and a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you're, you're so confident. See, we hear when we're reading this, it says if, Right? If you're sure that you're a guide to the blind, and if you're uh, sure that you are a light to those who are in darkness, and if you are an instructor of the foolish, and if you are a teacher of children, but but the way that this is written, he assumes, he's he's doing an if-then statement that assumes the first part is is understood, right? It's more like, and when you, or because you, the the if is a, a little bit, wishy-washy for us. For him, as he's writing this, it, it is much more direct because you are sure that you are a guide to the blind. And when you are a light to those who are in darkness, and when you are an instructor of the foolish and a teacher of children, we, we know, right? We know all of the stuff that we're supposed to be doing. We've spent time in those 
classes. We've read those books. We've done those things. We, we, we know. But watch it. Be careful. Verse 21. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Have you ever uh, seen somebody who was a teacher and you went kind of losing credibility? You're, you're kind of losing credibility with me because I'm sitting in your English class and you handed out the syllabus and I found three errors, three typos. Did you not even proofread your own syllabus? You who claim to be an English professor. Or the doctor who comes in from their smoke break so that they can examine you. Come on, man. I read a book one time that was talking about when you're selecting a financial advisor. Find a financial advisor who is themselves investing. Because if they're not investing, they probably are not going to be able to uh, coach you or help you with your own investing. And so this is the, the same kind of thing he's saying right here. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? Or you who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Or you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Is that you? And, and if you are like me, you, you read through this list just here and you went, I don't steal, I don't commit adultery, and I don't rob temples. Yes, I'm okay. Watch it. Watch it. Because we say those things, but, but he's just using a couple of key examples, right? Some really obvious examples, but what he's drawing on is the, the whole law. If you are confident in the law, then you have to be keeping the whole thing. If your confidence, if your confidence is how you're behaving and how you're acting and the things that you're speaking, preaching, teaching, because you know and you have this great knowledge that you're now passing on to others, are you keeping all of that? That's the question. I'm, I'm reading through this and it, it talks about, you know, if you're a guide to the blind and, and a light in the darkness and all of these things. But the one that stri- strikes me is instructor to the foolish. No, no, no. Uh, teacher of children. The teacher of children. And how often I have been struck this week. At what I'm calling my kids to do. And am I doing those same things? Kids are awful. They're a mirror. I wish they were one of those circus mirrors, right? One of those fun house mirrors that you look at it and go, wow, that is a distorted image of me. 
but I find more often than not, they're doing the things that they see modeled by me. And then I'm yelling at them for it. Why would you do that? Why would you think that's a good idea? Does it seem like a good idea to you? No, it doesn't seem like a good idea to me, but you were doing it, so... I wish it was funny. But this has been a very convicting week for me. No, next week is spring break. That's going to be more convicting yet. But as I watch my kids and the way they interact with one another and the, the things that they do with one another and the way they treat one another and the way they raise their voice or use uh, actions with one another and I look at that and I go, oh no. Where did they learn that from? That has to be something they picked up at school, right? No, it's something they got from me. Are are you healthy or are you just speaking a good game? You who tell your children not to eat cookies, but then wait until they're in bed so that you can eat the cookies. Purely hypothetical. (laughs) Or try and tell my son that he has to control his anger and he cannot lash out like that. And recognizing, man, that apple did not fall far from the tree. And Paul is using this and saying, look, where is your confidence at? Is your confidence in knowing this is what a Christian is supposed to look like? I've seen what a a healthy Christian is supposed to look like. They carry a big Bible and they know where all of the books in the Bible are. And they they quote stuff and they memorize stuff and they say these kinds of words. That's what a a good Christian is. And so I'm just going to do that. But be careful. Where is your confidence at? Don't let your confidence be there. You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. The name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You think, what's the biggest knock on the church? What's people's biggest complaint? Those hypocrites. Those hypocrites. They say you shouldn't do stuff. And they act like they have it all together, but they don't. They say the stuff, they act like it, but they don't have it put together.
For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? The first half of this section from 17 to 24 is is knowing and saying the right thing, but not doing the right thing, right? That righteousness, godliness, being one of God's people is not in knowing or saying the right things, but it's in doing them. And now we have, it's not in looking like it, right? Oh, you're circumcised. So that's the identifying mark that you're a Jew. That, that, that's the identifying mark that you are one of God's people. What's the identifying mark in the church that we are one of God's people? That, that we're, we're, we've got it right. Well, it depends on what, which church you're in. What that subculture is like. Sometimes it means you wear a suit and tie to church. You, you just, that's what you do. If you want to be, I mean, if you could be a Christian and not wear a suit and tie, but if you want to be a good Christian, then you have to wear that suit and tie. And in other churches, um, it's we're we're rebelling against that and rejecting that. And so you you really have to have this, um, it's not about my appearances tattoo. And so I'm demonstrating that I am not bound by the law. Uh, that I am a Christian because I have my Christian tattoo. It's written in Greek. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> sometimes it's in the way that you dress. Sometimes it's in the words that you use. The things that you say, the, the way that you act. You put on your Christian face, your church face, about 30 seconds before you get out of the car. Maybe some of you are really practiced, so you go, oh, this is Sunday. I'm going to put on my, my church face as soon as I get up in the morning. Because if I appear like a good Christian, if I appear like I'm one of God's people, then maybe I will be. And we make it to be that we just are looking for acceptance in the subculture of the church. And that's how we determine what a good Christian is or what a good Christian isn't. It's because of how we look, how we present ourselves. We use certain words and we don't use other words. We have certain facial expressions. We respond in certain ways to to these kinds of things and not to those kinds of things. Because we want to have this appearance. So I put on my Sunday face. I'm very careful not to yell at my kids in church. Most of the time. When all of you are here anyway. Because I want you to think, I'm a good Christian. I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to have it put together. And here's what I find. We can't. We can't do it. 
we can't live up to those expectations. And here's what he says. It's not about appearances. For circumcision is indeed of value if you obey the law, right? Your appearances are of value if you're doing the work that accompanies them. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Whatever your appearances are, the things that you do, that's what really matters. And if you're doing things that don't align with your appearances, then you're undoing all of the appearances. You're just putting on a show. So, he says, if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Hang on, let's... <laughs> we twisted those words around a little bit. But if someone doesn't look like a Christian, but is doing the stuff, won't that be regarded as Christian, even if he doesn't look like it? Then he who is physically uncircumcised or doesn't look like a person of God, but keeps the law, will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision, but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. Being one of God's people, being identified as one of God's people, is not primarily something that is outward and physical that has to do with appearances, but is one that is internal and has to do with us inside. That's where it really matters. In fact, this point is so strong that Paul uses it over and over again. He uses it in Romans 2, he uses it in 1 Corinthians 7, he uses it in Galatians 5 and 6, he uses it in Colossians 2, and Ephesians 2, I don't, you might have to read all of Ephesians to find that, but it's in the Ephesians also. He uses this over and over again about how circumcision, the identifying mark of God's people, is not an external thing, it is an internal thing. It is something that happens inside. We are not Christians from the outside in, we're Christians from the inside out. We are changed from within. We are God's people because of what's happening in here, because we love Him and we desire to be with Him, and because we recognize that the appearances and the actions don't always match, and by the blood of Jesus we are saved. And it works its way from the inside out. Let me help you just a little bit. Because some of you are going, okay, whoosh, then what I know and what I say doesn't matter, or my appearances don't matter. Whoa, whoa, time out. It does. As we become a new creation, as God transforms us into the image of His Son, we will be transformed from the inside out. And so the things that we say, and so the things that we do, and so the things that we know, will look more and more like Jesus. 
But it is not those things that save us or make us one of God's people. That's the challenge. Because primarily that's the stuff that we see. And so we evaluate whether or not somebody's a good Christian or not by those external things. And as we grow, we expect that those external things are going to look more and more like Jesus because they are in line with what's happening inside. But where we err is trying to make people look like Christians when they haven't got it figured out inside yet. And so they come in and we go, oh, hang on, that's not good enough. Or we feel like when we walk in these doors that we have to fit in and so we put on these faces. And we don't want people to know about the struggle that we're dealing with inside because then they'll know that it isn't all put together. And so we want to act like it is. And what I want for us to do is to be able to have the inside match the outside and say we're going to speak to one another on an inside level. You get to know about the stuff that's happening in here. The good and the bad. And we can talk about that and we can all together move toward Christ-likeness. We won't put expectations on the external stuff. But we can really deal with it and we have the heart that desires to be transformed really and truly. Not just to mask Not just to pretend, oh no, I I didn't eat cookies. I brushed my teeth and, and got rid of the crumbs before I came into church so that you wouldn't know. Well, your breath smells a little like cookies. I, I'm pretty familiar with cookie breath and you've got some pretty good cookie breath going on here. We can come in and we, I ate those cookies. Yeah? Like one cookie? You, you were enjoying cookies in moderation? No, man. It was a whole batch of cookies. I downed a whole batch of cookies in an hour. Okay, let's, let's talk about that. That doesn't sound healthy. Now, I can tell some of you, even as I'm using the illustration of cookies, you're not thinking about cookies. You're thinking about other stuff and you're going, whoa, I don't know if I can share that. I've been struggling with that for a long time. That's way different than cookies. You don't have to stand up and share it with the whole group. But find somebody that you trust. And you can say, man, this is, this is something I'm struggling with. And I want to be transformed into the likeness of Christ in this area. Because as long as we try and keep it external, in the the words that we speak, in the face that we put on, those kinds of things, the things that we know, we don't have to deal with the repentance issue. Because we put on a facade that says there is no problem. No cookies have been eaten here. There's no issues, no problems here. 
And as soon as we take down the facade, then we have the real stuff showing, and that's vulnerable. And it's a challenge. Because what if they don't like it? If I pretend I don't have a cookie problem, everybody will like me. But as soon as they know, maybe they won't. Maybe they're not going to be okay with that. Maybe I'm going to have to change. And as I have been reading through this this week, and I, as I have been seeing the actions in my kids, I've just been so disgusted with me. This stuff's been there for a long time. My oldest is going on 11. How come I'm disgusted with me this week and not last week? Well, last week I wasn't reading this passage. I could put on the facade last week. I'm teaching my children to be respectful, appropriately behaving adults. Contrary to what they see in their father. And this week I see that and I go to beat them over the head with it and recognize why are they doing this? They're doing this because they're seeing it in me. And so the one doesn't like what the other one is doing and they're like, don't do that! Blah, blah, blah. And I say, you don't want to talk to them like that! <laughs> Why would you think it's okay to talk to them like that? I don't know. And I see it in me. And so it causes me to go to repentance. And to realize and recognize that today and yesterday and tomorrow I need a Savior. Oh yeah, when I was a sinner, before I was a Christian, before I was one of God's people, I needed a Savior back then. But I still need Him now because I don't have it all sorted out yet. My actions, my thoughts, my words do not all align with Christ yet. And I still need a Savior now. All of us do. And as He does His work in us, we will become more and more like Him for real. From the inside out. And in the meantime, we struggle with it, and we talk with each other, and we lean on each other, because we need a Savior now. That wasn't something that happened when we got saved. And now we are saved, and so we don't need a Savior anymore, right? It's not the kind of situation where uh, we were in the water and Jesus pulled us and put us on the boat. And now, woohoo, I'm on the boat. I no longer need a Savior. Guess what? The boat is Jesus. You're still being saved. Until you make it all the way to land, you still need that Savior. Because if you reject Him, you're right back in the water. You remember when Peter says, Jesus, call me out onto the water. And he's looking at Jesus. And he's standing on the water. And as soon as he looks away, he starts sinking. 
Jesus is our Savior every day. We need Him every day. Verse 29. Now let's, verse 28. For no one is a Jew who is, a, is merely one outwardly. We cannot be one of God's people only outwardly. Nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. His praise is not from man, but from God. When we come in putting on appearances and, and uh, hanging on to the things that we know and the things that we say, we're looking for the approval of man. We're looking for the approval of one another that you, they would applaud us. Oh yeah, wow, I'm really impressed. You knew that cross-reference right off the top of your head. That's amazing. Oh yes, well I've been doing in-depth Bible studies for the last 15 years. Wow, that's amazing. I know. But it's not primarily external. It is by the Spirit within and the praise is from God. So that when we reach the end, He says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And instead of experiencing the wrath of God, which we deserve because of our sin, we, reserve, we uh, receive His praise. So He goes from being God the judge to being God the praise giver. As we are transformed by His Spirit into the likeness of His Son, bringing glory to Him. And so I want to encourage you again this week that being one of God's people is not primarily in the things that we do and say or the appearance that we have. It's not in what we know. It's not in how we look. But it's in what we do through Christ's work in us. And so this week, as you recognize in yourself some of those things that are happening within that you'd like to cover over so that nobody sees them, as you consider yourself a teacher of someone and you see in them the things that are in you, repent. Ask for God's forgiveness and for the work of His Holy Spirit within you so that we might sing His praise as our Redeemer, the one who has saved us. Let's pray and then we can sing together. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful that You are our God. We are grateful that You are our Savior. And Lord, even though it's much easier to pretend on the outside, we are so grateful we are so grateful that our salvation does not depend on our external appearances, but is within. And so I pray 
I pray for those here whose external appearances, whose masks are so thick and so hard that you would break those down. That you would break down the facade that we might deal with the heart. And Father, we pray, would you change us from the inside out? Would we be quick to repent, to recognize our sin and repent of it and be healed by our Savior? Lord, would you make us sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit toward that end? And for that, we will praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.